Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Please find the seat. Would you say to send me some type of dedication? Um, I got it. Okay. I got it. Very full. Is there a shelf underneath it? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Can I have your attention for a few moments, please? Today is a historic day here at Yeshivat Magen David. First of all, on our way out of this room, there's been Sidurim sponsored for each student in this building. It's been sponsored in honor of Rabbi Mansour. <laughs> by Mr. and Mrs. Burke and Allison Dweck, Mr. and Mrs. Adam and Cookie Dweck, Mr. and Mrs. Michael and Shirley Carey, and Mr. and Mrs. Jacob and Barbara Hamway. It's the time of We're asking on the way out to pick one out. I want to share a story. Can I share a story, Rabbi Kron? I want to share a story. Rabbi Kron has written many, many stories over the years, many books. But I'm going to tell a story that's not found in Rabbi Krohn's book. But when they write a book about Rabbi Krohn, maybe this story will make it in there. About 17 and a half years ago, my father, Alava Shalom, passed away very suddenly and very tragically. He was young, he was 53 years old, he wasn't sick. And at the time, it was at the end of the summer, and at the time, my family had decided to go to Eretz Yisrael, my father's Kevetis, and we were going to be there for a few weeks over Yom Kippur and Sukkot. A long story short, we were standing in LaGuardia Airport. And while we were standing there, waiting for our flight, sitting by the gate, I looked up, and a few sections away, I saw Rabbi Pesach Krohn. Now, I didn't know Rabbi Pesach Krohn at the time. I recognized this picture. I had read some of the earlier books from the Maggit series. And I knew that he was a very inspirational person. So I turned to my mother at the time and I said, Ma, I see Rabbi Krohn. Do you want to talk to Rabbi Krohn? Maybe he'll give you some chizuk. And my mother said, sure. So I went over to Rabbi Krohn. I introduced myself. I told him a little bit of what's going on. And I said, do you mind coming over and maybe saying some words of Chizu to the family? And Rabbi Krohn said, absolutely. I just have to make two phone, quick phone calls. I remember every detail. <laughs> I have to make two quick phone calls. He made his two cool phone calls. He came over. He sat with my family for over an hour. He spoke. He listened. We cried. He never met us, never saw us in our lives. But it was like, we knew him forever. At the time, my brothers and I had to say Kaddish. He put together a minyan for us in the airport. We said Kaddish, we prayed in Khan in the airport. Rabbi Kron spoke to the people that were in the airport, 34 people that gathered for this minyan. We said Kaddish again. And he bid us farewell. He took down our phone number in Israel. And we figured that's the end. 
We landed in Israel the next day and by chrome call to make sure we were okay. And then on Erev Yom Kippur, he called us again to make sure we were okay. And then on Erev Sukkot again. And Erev the second half of the holiday again. And then when we came back to America a couple of weeks later, Rabbi Kohn came to visit us in my mother's house and came out, I can say, he has never left. Over the last 17 years, my family has had the privilege of having a very special relationship. Every single one of my siblings, starting from my mother down to all of us, and Rabbi Kohn has been part of all our simachot, or our challenging times, all the times we needed advice, we reached out to him. He's just a phone call away. There was a rabbi in this building. They watched me call him and they couldn't believe he answered on the first phone call. I told him, Rabbi Kron answers the phone on everybody. But that's the truth. I've been in the rabbi's house with my kids. And Baruch Hashem Zachinti to have the rabbi in my house for a Shabbat meal. It is a tremendous honor, a tremendous privilege to welcome Rabbi Pesach Kron. start crying even before the speech. But I remember that day. And you know, everything is Minashamayim. I still remember that day. I was supposed to go to Montreal. And I was supposed to speak in Montreal that night. And the plane to Montreal was canceled. And they said, the only way you're going to get to Montreal is if you take the, fl- the plane to Toronto and then go from Toronto to Montreal, maybe I'll make it by five minutes in time to the speech at night. And that was the only reason that I came to the Toronto section, because I had to get to Montreal. And look at that, lifelong friendship, just unbelievable. You know, it is so great to be in this room for two reasons. First of all, to be in the presence of Rabbi Mansour, the new Rosh Hashiva is just a great, great honor. And of course, with Rabbi El Nadav as well, and you know, I love champions. Look at this place. It's unbelievable. I think we've got to bring Aaron Judge here. You know, maybe he'll be inspired. Maybe next year he'll have a better playoff season or whatever. But we've come to speak at a very, very important time in the Jewish calendar year, and that's right before Hanukkah. And I want to begin by telling you that some of you may know that there's a machloket that there's an argument in the Gemara about how many candles you're supposed to light the first night, the second night, all the way to the eighth night. And the Gemara says in Shabbos Chafala from Beis 21b in your art school Gemara, for those of you taking notes, that Beis Shammai says the first night you got to light eight because after all, the, the miracle was eight days and then you go seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. But Beis Hillel says, no, we do the opposite. We start with one, and they go higher, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. But what I love is what the Gemara says, why Beis Hillel says what he says. And he uses this expression, Mosif v'holech. Mosif means you go higher, you add, and you keep on going. And I think that's what a Jew has to do in life in general. Always, never, ever be satisfied with the status quo. 
You became the champion in 2019? Yeah, but you got to be in 2020 and 2022. A Jew always has to be more sif v'holech. Add and keep on going. And how great is it that this year, right before Hanukkah, we're starting a new program. I already got my band, you see here? Join the movement, right? Make every... Make, make every bracha count. And now that we're starting this idea, we're going to be mostif v'holech every time we say a bracha. We're going to get one step closer to Hashem. And as we'll see, we're going to get one step closer to a better life. So it is so appropriate. So I want to begin by telling you a great story that happened to somebody that I'm very close to. But the family asked that I shouldn't use their name, so of course I have to respect that. Many years ago, there was a little boy. You can pick it up, don't worry. Many years ago, there was a little boy who was born in Eretz Yisrael. And three hours after he was born, the mother told me, two doctors walked into her room together with a nurse. And you know, the Gemara says, I hope the guys on this side won't be insulted. But the Gemara says that women have a bina yisera. They have a special extra wisdom, more than the boys, more than the men. But the point is, she told me, the second I saw the doctor's face, he didn't have to say a word. I knew there's something wrong with my son. I just looked at him, I saw the nurse's face, and the doctor, I knew there's something wrong. And sure enough, there was. The child, if you could believe it, did not know how to swallow. And the doctors were in a panic. They never heard of such a thing. I mean, it's like telling somebody who doesn't know how to breathe. I mean, who thinks about swallowing? But as soon as the baby is born and they clean him up, they give the baby some water to drink, but the water was dribbling out of his mouth down his cheeks. They couldn't get any water in this child, and he had to be hydrated. So within two or three hours of his birth, he was already on intravenous. And they said to the mother, we have to call every hospital in Israel and if that's not enough, we're going to call over the world. We never heard of such a thing that a kid doesn't know how to swallow. And what they were worried was one of two things. Either there's a physical blockage in his throat that they would have to open up the poor kid's throat and cut out that blockage. Or mentally, which could be even worse, he doesn't understand that a child is supposed to swallow. So of course he didn't have his brit milah. And the question was whether they should give him a name. And they went to Rab Chaim Kanievsky, and he said, don't give him a name yet. He's going to have his bris sooner than later. Just pray for him. The Tinok, the child, ben his mother's name. And that's what they did. Now it was the 30th day, 31st day, and he needed a pidyon. Pidyona ben is the oldest child. And the doctors told the father, they're going to have to move him into another building because... In the hospital, there were dead people. There's always dead people in the hospital. And the Kohen can't be in a building where there are dead people. So they moved the kid with his layette, with all his tubes and the monitors and the intravenous. They moved him to the next building. And this was the first time that the family was able to see the child because he was in intensive care. They, nobody could come in except the parents. And everybody's crying. They're seeing this poor kid just a month old, all kinds of tubes and monitors. And they did the pigeon. And then afterwards, 
the father said, now I would like to say a bracha. Nobody knew what kind of bracha is he going to say. He's got a kid who can't swallow. How is he going to praise Hashem? What is he going to say? Listen to what he said. Baruch atah Hashem. Elokeinu melech olam. And then he says the bracha. Asher yatsar esahadam b'chachma. Hashem created a person with great wisdom. The wisdom of Hashem. Uboraboy nikavim nikavim. He created him with openings. And goluvi yadu alafnei kisei kevadecha. Hashem, you know. You see, there's parts of the body that have to remain open, parts have to remain closed. Your nose, your nostrils, if it's closed, God forbid you can't breathe. A person could die in 10 minutes if he doesn't have any breath. But then take a look over here, you have a vein, but the skin is closing it. If the vein was open, a guy could bleed to death. So there's a whole orchestra that's going in the body. The spleen, the colon, the kidneys, the heart, the lungs. It's unbelievable. And then he said, Baruch Hashem, Hashem heals every person. And he does wonders. And all of a sudden, everybody began to realize, oh my gosh, the bracha that we say when we leave the bathroom, we say it so fast, we don't even think about it. But really, we're thanking God for being alive. And that the whole orchestra of the body is functioning properly. I don't see anybody here on tubes, intravenous. We can all walk, sing, dance. Talk, we take it for granted. So maybe the first thing that we have to do is be a little bit more careful when we say the bracha asher yatsar. And we have to thank Hashem. What I would say from this holy meeting this morning, I would never, ever ask anybody to do something that I don't do. But I started this a couple years ago. When you say asher yatsar, stand in one place. Don't be texting, don't be getting dressed, don't be getting into a car. Don't be diapering a baby if you're a mother. Stand in one place and say, Asher Yatsar. How much does it take? Nine seconds? And you know, I got to tell you something. I've been talking about this all over the place. So I once, Rabbi Mansur and I, we've spoken at an organization called Neshay Cares, a thousand women. I will never forget the first time I said this, two ladies called me up. One comment I appreciated so much. The other one, I could have done without. I'll tell you both. The first lady said, Rabbi Krohn, you're right that we should stand in one place because we say, So even in Asher Yatsar, we say we wouldn't be able to stand in front of you if the whole body wasn't functioning. So you're right, we should stand in one place. I said, thank you very much. Ten minutes later, I got another call. And this lady says, you know, Rabbi Krohn, now every time I go to the bathroom, I think of you. <laughs> thank you very much. I could have done without that. But I knew she meant it sincerely. She didn't mean it in a bad way. But I could have done without that. But really, that's what we should do. Think about the bracha. And you know something that the Vilna Goyen says? It's unbelievable. Until I saw it in his sidur, I never thought about it. What's the holiest place in the world? Kisei kevodecha. The chair, the chariot in Shemayim. We never, ever mention it in any bracha except Asher Yatsar. It's almost embarrassing to talk about this bracha. We don't say it by matzah, by Hanukkah, by Sukkot. Nothing. Only when a person uses the facilities. And the Vilna Gon says, you know why? Because God wants to show us even the mundane things of life are controlled in heaven. So the next time we say Asher Yatsar, close your eyes, stand in one place, Take a minute and thank God that you're alive. 
And thank God that the whole orchestra and the body, everything is working very well. Now I want to tell you a story that happened in the time of David Amela. You know, it sounds like, it was almost like a COVID epidemic. A hundred people were dying every single day. And people were going crazy. The doctors couldn't figure it out. And they went to David Amelach and they said, please, honorable king, tell us, why are people dying? And the Gemara tells us this in Menachos Mem Gimel Amit Beis, 43b in your Oswald Gemara. And you know what he said? David Amelach said, you know why? Because people aren't saying thank you. They have so much good in the world and they're not saying brachot with kavanah. Baruch means blessed. You have food, you have water. You have anything that you're able to do to learn Torah. You say a brachat Hashem, you're saying thank you. And if people don't say thank you, unfortunately there is a magifah, there is a plague. So David HaMelech made up that we should start saying a hundred brachot every single day. And when people started doing that, the people stopped dying. Now you're going to wonder, how in the world am I going to say a hundred brachot? But if you dash him an Esra three times, you got 57 brachas right there. And if you wash, okay, I know the girls don't wash, everybody's on a diet. But uh, the point is, if you say brachat amazon, so you got a few extra brachot. But you know, you could eat candy all day or whatever. I mean, don't, you know, don't tell the dentist I said that. But the idea is, and the tour says, even today we got to be careful. I mean, there's so many people, unfortunately, that are not well. And if we don't want a magifah, we have to be able to say the bracha. Now listen to this. I'm going to tell you a story about Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. But first I want to tell you how holy this Jew was. I just wrote this in a new book. It just came out. It's called The Grandeur of the Magad. I just gave it to uh, Rabbi Mansour. I hope everybody will buy a few copies before the holiday. One of my favorite stories in there is when Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, many years ago, when his son Rabbi Ruvain opened up the yeshiva in Staten Island, Rabbi Moshe went out to Los Angeles to raise some money for his son's yeshiva. And one family knew he was going to eat dinner there. So they were all waiting. And then the bell rings. Now the father was going to go to the door. So he knew it was the Rosh Yeshiva. But a four-year-old kid ran and opened the door. He took one look at Rabbi Moshe and he said, Are you Hashem? Imagine a four-year-old. He said, Are you Hashem? So Rabbi Moshe smiled and he said, no, Hashem lives in heaven. He said, you must be his best friend. Imagine that. Imagine what a chinuch of a child that he looks at a tzaddik and he thinks that he's God himself. Unbelievable. So listen to this story. It was told to me by the family and themselves that it happened to. There was a young woman. She was in her early 40s. And her husband was very, very sick. They had three or three children and he needed a big operation and the doctor was worried that if he does the operation the guy could die on the table from the anesthetic he wasn't strong enough so the doctor said to the woman she told me go to a higher authority than me and see if he says that I could do the operation if he says yes then I'll know that I could do it and the anesthetic won't kill this guy now of course the doctor meant go to a bigger doctor Right? He was in a certain hospital and he figured she'll go to a doctor that's bigger. But she heard the word the highest authority. And Rabbi Moshe Feinstein was alive then. So she decided the highest authority in the world is Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. And her husband had learned in his kolal 20 years before. 
So the next morning, the doctor calls her and he says, did you get a higher authority? Did you speak to anybody? He says, well, I'm going tomorrow morning. He says, who are you going to? She says, well, it's not a doctor, it's a rabbi. He said, I don't believe you. What do you mean, you're going to a rabbi? A rabbi's gonna tell me whether I should make an operation? She said, you said the highest authority. Rabbi Feinstein is the highest authority. He said, I don't believe it. Could you let me come with you? Where does he live? I wanna see how a rabbi is gonna rule whether I should do a serious operation like this. She said, fine, I'm going with my father. He lives on FDR Drive in Lower East Side. I'll meet you there tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Okay, 10 o'clock, they knock on the door. The doctor's there, the mother, the, the wife, and also her father. They open up the door, they see Rab Moshe. They didn't think he was Hashem, but he's a holy man. And Rab Moshe welcomes them in with a smile, and he gives so much kavod to the doctor, and he's asking him all about the seriousness of the operation. And then, listen to this. He says to the mother, or to the wife actually, he says, you told me that your husband learned in my kolel. 20, I don't remember. Do you have a picture of him by any chance? She says, yeah, we got married just when he was in the kolel. So I've got my wedding picture in my purse. He said, can I see it? And Rabbi Moshe takes a look at the picture and he recognizes the kid. He recognizes that was the boy and that's the one that's sick now, a father of three children. And he starts crying. He's so overtaken by the fact that a former Talmud of his that he now recognizes needs this operation. And he starts crying. And when the doctor sees this, he whispers to the wife, he says, now I know why he can make such a decision. Any rabbi that could cry for a student that he had 20 years ago, God's gonna give him the right wisdom to make the decision. And you know what Rabbi Moshe said? Rabbi Moshe said that he should take the operation, but he should undertake, listen to this, to say brachot out loud. You know why? Because when you say a bracha, another person will say amen. Now who could figure out? How much does the word amen equal? Aleph, mem, nun. Can anybody figure that out? 91. And you know what Rabbi Moshe said? You would think he was like a Hasidish Rebbe. He said the word malach, angel, mem, lamed, aleph, chaf, equals 91. Every time you say a bracha, and somebody says amen, or they say a bracha, and you say amen, we create an angel. And he said, those angels are going to protect him. From now on, he should say, Berachot out loud, and you'll see he'll manage the operation. He's going to be fine. And he did. And he lived many years after that. I told you this story for two reasons. One, because I think that we should begin saying Berachot out loud. And besides, I always drink when I make a speech. And then when Mrs. Ross brought the coffee in for me, I decided, you know what? I'm going to wait. And I'm going to make a Berachot. And here we're going to create hundreds of angels. Can I say it in Ashkenaz or Sfard? I can say Ashkenaz, right? That's my connection. I can't say Ashkenaz in here. Okay. Baruch ata Adonai Eloheinu melech olom shakol ni'ebit varoh. Holy angels. Champion angels. Now listen to this incredible Zohar. We're in a Sephardic school. We've got to learn the Zohar. You know what the Zohar says? It's unbelievable. The, the Zohar says that God said to Abraham Avinu, Lech Lecha. Lech Lecha. Lech is 50, Laman and Chaf. And Lech Lecha is another 50. That's 100. 
You know what the Zohar says? Lech Lecha is a sign of what God says to our neshamot when we come down to this world. God says to every neshama, go down and make a hundred brachas a day. Because every bracha is a key to success. Every time you say a bracha, you're opening up a key to success. That's why we have to say brachot. That's why we have to thank Hashem for everything that we have. And when you say a bracha out loud, and somebody says, Amen, you're creating malachim. So we can make every bracha count, and every bracha does count. Why? First of all, we're not going to get sick because... That's what David HaMelech told us. Everybody says brachot. There won't be a plague. We say brachot and people say amen. We're going to create malachim that are going to protect us. And more than anything else, you open up the key to success. Lech lecha. That's what Hashem said to Abraham Avinu. And that's what the Zohar tells us that Hashem says to every neshama. Now when Rabbi El Nadav said that today is a special day. I could not believe that he was going to say, first of all, I couldn't imagine what he was going to say, but I couldn't believe, I know it's a special day, as I'm going to tell you for a reason. I couldn't believe that he knew it. Now, maybe he does, but he just didn't say it. Today is the 22nd day of Kislev. Now, all the books that I've written have the word Magid in it, because Magid is a storyteller who brings out a great lesson with a story. And the Magid that I knew, that I was so close to, was Rabbi Shalom Shradron, who was the Magid of Jerusalem, the Magid of Yerushalayim. So every book, it's either Illuminations of the Magid, or the Magid Speaks, or Around the Magid's Table, it's always got the Magid. And today is his yard time. Did you believe that? I couldn't believe it. So I want to tell you one of the greatest stories I ever heard from him. This was the first story that I ever heard from him. When he came to America, it's a whole long story. It's not for now. He ended up in my parents' home. I wasn't married. A Friday night, everybody came to hear the Magad of Yerushalayim. And he told this fabulous story. He said there was a Rebbe, a Hasidic Rebbe, Rab Aaron Karlina. The Stalina and Karlina are the same Hasidim. And he said they had one Saturday night what they call a tish. A tish is Yiddish is a table. And the Hasidim sit around and they say, sing Zemirot. And the rabbi says, Torah. And they have some food. So they gave the rabbi an apple. And he picked up the apple and made a bracha. He cut it and he ate a piece. And everybody said, oh, you see that bracha? The holy rabbi made such a bracha. There was a little boy, Yankala, sitting in the back. And he was thinking, like, what's the big deal? You know, I eat an apple, make a bracha. The Rebbe eats an apple, makes a bracha. So he wasn't so impressed. Now the Rebbe was very perceptive. And he takes a look at the back and he sees that kid is not so impressed with his bracha. He calls him up. Yankala, I want to talk to you. Well, the people couldn't believe the holy rabbi is speaking to this little kid. Seven, eight-year-old kid. So the Rebbe whispers to him and he says, tell me, what's the difference between me and you? I eat an apple and make a bracha. You eat an apple and make a bracha. The kid says, Rebbe, I wasn't going to say anything, but I was thinking the same thing. What's the big deal? Listen to what the Rebbe told him. Genius. The Rebbe said, I'll tell you the difference between me and you. He said, when I wake up in the morning, I take a look, I see the beautiful sky. I see the trees and the grass and the whole gorgeous world that Hashem made. 
and I want to say a bracha, I want to praise Hashem. Can't just say a bracha for no reason. So I wash my hands, negavasa as it's called, and I pray, and then after I finish praying, then I take an apple, and I eat, and I make the bracha. When you wake up in the morning, you're so hungry. And you want to eat an apple right away. You're starving, right? The whole night you didn't eat. But you know your mother's going to knock your teeth out if you make a, if you eat an apple before you wash your hands or before you pray. So we both wake up and we both pray and we both take an apple and we don't both take a bracha or make a bracha. The difference is like this. Listen to this. The Rebbe said, I eat the apple so I should be able to make the bracha. You make the bracha. So you should be able to eat the apple. That's genius. You know what that's genius? In other words, the Rebbe says, I use things in this world to make a connection to Hashem. I'm taking the apple, but the main thing is I can say, Baruch, Atah Hashem. I want to get close to you. I want to thank you, Hashem, for everything that I have. So I'm using the material things in life to get close to Hashem. You are just the opposite. You're saying the bracha because the main thing is that you want to eat the apple. And that's a lesson that we have to learn. As we come to Hanukkah, Mosif Volech, we have to realize we have so much good in this world. You know what once occurred to me? That the word modim, which means we thank you, is equal to 100. Why? Because you've got to be grateful for 100% of the things that you have. You got parents that you like? That's something to be grateful for. You got great friends in the school? That's great. You got a great Rosh Hashiva? Unbelievable. Something to be grateful for. How many people have Rabbi Mansur as a Rosh Hashiva? Thousands around the world would love to have that. Rabbi El Nadav and all the wonderful Rabbeim and the Moros. Wonderful. There's so much to be grateful for. You have a house. Your father and mother have a job. Baruch Hashem, everybody's healthy. Motim for 100% of what we have. Just want to end with this story and then something so great that only Chacham Avad Yosef could have thought of. But again, the family told me this story. This family lived outside of Lakewood and they were not religious. But they sent their kid to a Talmud Torah, to a school where they learned religious stuff. They figured they'd give the kid some culture. One Sunday afternoon, they took the kid to McDonald's and the kid's got a burger, I guess, burger and cheese or whatever. But he knows that in the school they teach him to make a bracha. So the kid picks up the burger and he makes him a zonot out loud. And everybody in McDonald's is turning around and they're laughing. What is this kid praying? I mean, a guy doesn't have a concept that before you make a bracha, before you eat something, you're going to say a bracha. So everybody's looking at this kid. And the parents were humiliated. They come home and they say, you know, we're going to make our kid a mental wreck. In the school, he learns one thing. In the home, we do something else. And outside, he doesn't know what to do. He's eating a tray for ham, burger with cheese, and he's making a bracha. We got to decide one way or the other. And Baruch Hashem, they decided they're going to become religious. That they too will follow what they teach in the school. And the kid went to yeshiva and went to a religious high school because of that one bracha that he made on a cheeseburger. So you never know the power of a bracha, even on something that was treif. Now, I want to tell you something that is so great, but only the Chacham of Adi Yosef could have thought of that. We know that we said 100 keys. Well, what's the greatest key of bracha that Mashiach should come? 
You know what Chacham Avadi Yosef said? Mashiach stands for men, Shim Yudches, Madlikin Shemonat Yemei Harukah. Is that amazing? Who thinks like that? Only a genius. Mashiach, Madlikin Shemonat Yemei Harukah. Mashiach could come this Hanukkah if we elevate ourselves, if we become like Beit Hillel, Mosif Holech, everybody. You don't have to wear the bracelet. I'm not promising I'm going to wear a Shabbat. But I'm just telling you, let's keep the signs up. Let's keep it in our hearts. Every bracha counts. We make a connection to Hashem. We get people to say Amen and we create Malachim and we open up those hundred keys to blessing. The greatest blessing is Mashiach should come it should be an hour day, and man, we'll beat those Israelis in basketball whenever we get there. Shalom. Inside the Sidur, there is actually a special Hashem Yatzai card that's been added. We'll get it in one second, boys. Wait one second, please. Girls, at this time, let's go. Girls, let's go, let's go.